Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 43, the Phil is getting older edition of uh, the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, Phil is me, Philip Matthew, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's good, brother? And it's doing great, Phil. Um, glad to be on the show again, and hey, happy birthday to you, and I uh, know it was a good one. So uh, got a lot to talk about with uh, the 24 coming up and uh, championship games and all that, so ready to get into it. Yeah, my uh, I turned 36, my liver turned 80, my back turned about 117, and my arm was falling off yesterday uh, after three days of bowling, which tells you how bad off I am physically but then also how stupid it is for uh general not not I mean for what I am uh where I'm at in my bowling career to be going and bowling three straight days and doing some of the nonsense that I was doing like two-handed bowling trying two-handed bowling after um all the beverages that I'd had um on Sunday and then Monday was a disaster and then yesterday was even worse and then I figured out something, and hopefully that'll work for me as we go on these following weeks. But um, that's good. I forgot to turn that off. But um, that's uh, that we will go and take care of that in just a moment. That's the uh, grandfather clock that wanted to go and tell us. And that I think that's a good angle for us to go and transition into the Rolex 24, because that's the first <laughs> part of our... Um, the main part of the show today will be Rolex 24 preview, uh, much different Rolex than many years past in that the main prototype class is very, um, it's a very small turnout, but the quality, it's more quality over quantity. The LMP2 category is definitely the big, uh, category with a lot of cars and a lot of, um, talent from all over the world of course that's a pro-am class so different levels of talent the lmp3 category is going to be uh, a definite uh it'll be a change for sure something that could cause problems for the prototypes or gtlm uh teams um relative because of experience and of course reliability might be an issue because i've never went 24 hours with the um lmp3 car but they did run last week in the roar um test and they had their own specific race and some of those cars will also be run in the in the 24 gtlm this year is uh basically corvette um they've killed the class again so credit to them and uh they'll be running against uh cooper mcneil and a privateer porsche the weather tech car and uh been the sponsored car of the series of course and then there'll be the Reese ferrari at least for this race and probably sebring but after that who knows and then um otherwise i think bmw is going to be running the enduros and that's it of course ford disappeared a couple of years ago porsche's gone as a fill factory effort uh you have yeah and that's basically it i mean there's going to be a whole lot corvettes already hedging towards moving to G uh, or GT3 variant of the C8, uh, basically based on a news story that's just come out, Pruitt uh, did with uh, the per- people that are running GM's program now. So, 
what it looks like is GT3 will be, there'll be two classes of GT3. They'll have a GT3 or GT Pro and a GT Am, which is essentially what they have in the WEC, but it won't be um, the whatever spec they call them, I guess, GT2 spec in, um, it'll be GT3 spec for America. And that'll be similar to what they're running in DTM and in many other categories. So who knows, maybe we'll be able to get a more worldwide um, uh, field as we transition into next year's Rolex. Of course, GT Daytona will be very tough, a very tough category to um, determine. But first things first, the uh, LMDPI uh, formula will we'll go into that. The uh and that was they had the roar uh last week and the qualifying race uh which determined the starting lineup of course and they're just gonna go and talk about that but i think the story the the easy storyline is um you know for us we cover nascar a lot and we cover our indycar and there's plenty of NASCAR and IndyCar drivers in this field, Josh. Um, I mean, the most, the uh, biggest name, of course, is Jim Johnson, and uh, his retirement tour is now his new his new role as an IndyCar driver and sports car driver uh, starts here with his eighth attempt at the Rolex 24. Can Jimmy Johnson walk in in an all-star team, all-star car? Chad Knauss is back on the box as one of the engineers and people, uh, Hendrick Motorsports people are working on that Action Express car. The Cadillac has been the preferred car at uh, Daytona. The question is, can Jimmy Johnson go out there and finally win the Rolex? Will Clyde, William Clyde Elliott, go and continue this little hot streak that he's been on here in the last few months and uh add a rolex to his um hardware cabinet since he's added some pretty substantial hardware uh here um the last few months as a nascar cup series champion yeah i think for the dpi class obviously the focus is going to be on chase elliott when he's in the car and then when jimmy johnson is in the 48 car for um both of them for action express racing there and and uh it's going to be an interesting uh race and there's going to be a lot of focus on those two guys and rightfully so but i i think for chase elliott i think he probably has the better shot to win the race uh or you know finish better than jimmy johnson um i think uh it's a definitely a good good team to be around uh I think that for Chase Elliott, he's got a, a good setup of drivers uh, alongside of him with Felipe Nazar and Mike Conway, Pipo Durane. Uh, I think that's a, a solid team to have around him. Um, you can't argue also with Simon Pagino and Mike Rockefeller uh, and uh, Kamoi uh, Kobayashi. They're they're pretty good as well. But I think uh, the 31's a little bit faster car, it seems like, uh, than, than the 48 car. Um, and I think at this point in their careers, obviously, you know, Chase Elliott's a little bit better driver than uh, Jimmy Johnson. Um, but I think uh, Jimmy certainly will um, be able to show his worth in the car. 
but I'm just uh, I'm not sure if the, um, they can pull it out. Um, if, if they do pull it out for the 48 car, uh, it's probably going to be uh, a lot of Simon Paginome and Mike Rockefeller maybe helping out Jimmy with the legwork. As far as like stints go, they'll um, be more more stints with guys like Pagano or Rockefeller than than Jimmy Johnson in the car. Um, maybe not quite as or not as less as like what Jeff Gordon did a few years ago, where he only had like two stints and and then he got to hold the trophy. But you know maybe. I can see Jimmy maybe having the least amount of stints uh, compared to the rest of his teammates, but um, you know, for the Chase Elliott uh, and those guys on the 31 car, um, I expect them to be the class of the field. Uh, it seems like they've got the the best car there uh, for the 24. Um, can't count out Ricky, uh, yeah, Ricky Taylor and the Wayne Taylor racing car. Um, yeah, you know, they got Alexander Rossi, Felipe, Al- Felipe Albuquerque, and uh, Elio Castroneves uh, on that team. That's a pretty solid team, and um, they've got accurate power this year. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what kind of speed they have uh, during the race. Um, they did qualify in fifth place. Um, we'll see what kind of strategy they have uh, for the race and if they can you know, fight their way up to the lead um, and you know take the lead and, and hold it throughout the race. Um, that's probably the best uh, all-star car besides the 31 I think um, you know you have two former Indy 500 winners uh, Ricky Taylor's a pretty solid uh, uh, road racing driver Felipe Albuquerque in the same realm as well so that should be a very good lineup there and then I think the other car you have to look out for is uh, Meyer Shank with uh, Juan Pablo Montoya and uh, AJ Allmendinger Dane Cameron also coming from Penske and then Olivier Pla as well um so i think those those cars are all going to have a um, pretty good shot to win and um you know i think the hype matches of, of the 24 matches the the actual amount of drivers uh in the field for the dpi obviously dpi being the class or the head of the uh, uh classes uh competing in the race so it's it should be a, a very interesting race and i feel like you know this year with all those are all-star drivers uh, it definitely makes for a very compelling event, and I'm um, very excited uh, for the weekend uh, just because of that. Yeah, it's a deep field for sure, and you we didn't even go over two other Cadillac teams. I mean, you brought up the wheel and engineering 31 of Pippo Durrani and Felipe Nazar, which they're probably the fastest duo uh, in the series right now, Pippo Durrani has been a freak of nature going back years when he was driving for Scott Sharp and Extreme Speed. And Felipe Nazar is a Formula One driver uh, turned sports car race. And then you add Mike Conway, who's a world endurance champion uh, for Toyota. And then you have Clyde, who's going to get all the credit if they win, same as Jeff did. Uh, if you look at Kumuya Kobayashi, who's won the World Endurance Championship, won Le Mans, uh, and he's a Toyota guy. And you have Rockefeller, who's done work in Porsches and in prototype Audi. Pagano, we know what his his um, sports car background has been before he became an IndyCar driver, champion, Indy 500 winner, all that. So they're a deep team. It is, uh, as you said, it's going to be more on those other three guys to really kind of carry the mail if they're going to be able to make it. Those are four driver teams. Uh, The 10 car also will be 
as you said, uh, you talked about the first full race for the Honda for both um, Wayne Taylor and Meyer Shank back um, in the prototype category for Meyer Shank uh, in a Honda Acura DPI. Uh, Ricky Taylor back in the family team with Felipe Albuquerque. Of course, Rossi and Alio, who won the championship last year uh, for Penske on his way out. Dane Cameron uh, with... Um, so Alio and Ricky were the teammates together, so Alio will be there at least for the Enduros. Dane Cameron, who won the championship with Juan Pablo Montoya the year before, will be together here in the 60 car. Dane and Olivier Pla is one of the best uh, drivers uh, in recent years in GT category or prototypes. So that'll be a formidable team for sure. And of course, AJ Adder Olmendinger, who's going to be very busy as well. Juan Pablo is going to be very busy all over the world uh, running uh, LMP2 for um, uh, what do you call them? I'm forgetting the team, uh, the the Elton Julian team. And uh, he'll be running for them. He'll be running other series. He'll be running this series. He'll run IndyCar. So he's going to be very busy. Uh, AJ is going to be running full Xfinity. It looks like that uh, colleague's going to run a full-time schedule in the Cup Series or basically run a full-time schedule, and he's going to be running uh, limited races through there. So those are all formidable cars, but you can't – you look at how deep this field is, and there's three other cars that we haven't even mentioned, and they're all really good, and they're really fast drivers. The Chip Ganassi, the Cadillac Chip Ganassi team. So Cadillac, he's now be announced a couple days ago that GMC and Hummer are going to be part of his Extreme E program, uh, which is a huge deal. Uh, he has uh, Kyle LaDuke and uh, I follow her on Instagram. She brings uh, Ricky Brabeck. Um I have to bring this up. I'm going to, while I'm bringing this up, you have Renger Vanderzand and uh, Kevin Magnuson uh, as the driver tandem there for the full season. And oh, yeah, you just add Scott Dixon. Yeah, the Iceman. How can we yeah. forget him? Yeah, you know, like Scott Dixon, who kind of got, he kind of was in that Jeff Gordon role last year, but unlike Jeff Gordon, I think he actually had to do something to, to win, help the 10 car win. Um, that is a ridiculously talented lineup. People who crap on Kevin Magnuson, they're going to be mad about that. It's going to be the same way as his dad did 20 plus years ago when he got, you know, railroaded out of Formula One and they're like, oh, he's damaged goods. Well, he went to cart, did some things there. Then he made a sports car career and he's been a Hall of Fame sports car driver. Well, Kevin Magnuson now is more comfortable. He's feeling good about things. Him and Renger van der Zander, it sounds like they have a good, uh, they're a good combination. They play off each other very well, and they're both aggressive as hell. Uh, you know, Chip Ganassi's won this race, I don't know how many times. They're, they are a sleeper for sure. You have Tristan Vautier, Loic Duval, and Sebastian Bourdais in the, uh, in the uh, French special, the Mustang sampling JDC Miller car. And of course, Seb running full-time IndyCar again for AJ Foyt, but then Vautier, who's a former IndyCar driver and well-respected talent, um, 
and Loic Duval, who's been through all kinds of, you know, sport through all these categories and he's experienced, they're going to be a tough out. And then the one, the solo Mazda, uh, number 55, which will have Olivier Jarvis, Harry Tinknell, and uh, Jonathan Barmerito. This this uh, race, I mean, it, it leans towards the Cadillacs just because of how the, the race uh, racetrack is with four. They have four cars, of course, but any of these seven cars could win and it wouldn't be a shock because the level of talent in in this uh, class is un, unreal um, and it will be interesting to see for sure. Uh, I mean, LMP2, there's a lot of great talent there uh last year it wasn't as good of a class but this year it's much deeper you have you have cars coming from uh from across the pond from the world endurance championship you have the likes of robert kubica um who these days is a test driver for alfa romeo then you have job van oitert who's a he's a known uh great sim racer and he's good in our car, Guido Vandergaard, a former Formula One car or IndyCar guy, whatever. Uh, Ferdinand Habsburg, who's another guy who's a good sim guy. You know, Ryan Dial, who's been around a long time. You know, Tristan Nunez, you know, Matt Bell. You got uh, Gabriel Aubrey. So you got some names here, Tower Motorsport, Aero Motorsport. They're around little bits here and there. Tristan Nunez, I said, in high-class racing. He was just coming from across the pond, racing team Netherlands in the jumbo car. Uh, Antonio Fuco. Uh, was, yeah, and then that there, that's a 47. That's a Dallara. Mostly Orica's. There's one Liger, which is going to be a caution uh, for sure. Because, yeah, because they have Bald Spot and Cody Ware. That's, I, I want to see that car catch on fire. I don't know why. I just, <laughs> just kind of want to watch that car catch on fire. But um, the 52 cars, one of the best looking cars, the PR1 Matheson team, which is now Ben Keating and uh, wins uh, 52. Uh, they're cool. It's a really cool looking car. And Scott Huffaker, really good silver, super silver. Mikkel Jensen is uh, gold. And then Nicola Lapierre is their uh, designated platinum. And so, you know, Ben Keating is a great bronze. Um, he's a definitely a gentleman driver in the sense that you know age and whatever but he's a great businessman but he's also really good and he's done a lot of winning so they're going to be a tough out dragon speed was a team i was forgetting and they're here two cars uh renis vk who's going to be running for them uh been doing a lot of sports car racing with ben hanley who was running the indy car for them the last couple of years then in the 82 car, you have Eric Lux and De- Devlin DeFrancesco, who's another good sim racer. Chris Mees, who's been a GT Audi driver for many years. So there, there's a lot of good talent spread across that. And Elton Julian's one of the best uh, owners there is. He was once a Formula One uh, 
Formula One prospect many years back when I first started watching back in the early to mid 90s. So that'll be that that class is a lot more about uh, lasting. Um, I mean, of course, they can do the 24 hours, but they're running at Daytona versus running Lamont or different things, different uh, parts that will be stressed, you would think. more more suspension because of how rough certain sections are uh probably will will be certain we'll we'll see some more uh issues i think with reliability in that class but it is a very deep class for the rolex and it's uh giving it props up the dpi category the one that one class that we're definitely gonna have to look at is the um lmp3 because there's while you have people that probably have no business running in this race and will likely uh cause uh some destruction there are other guys here kenton coke who's a really talented driver driving for mulner motorsports you have Mark Kwame, who was a former LMP2 champion, with Ryan Norman, whose dad is uh, got Evo Motorsport. Um, they're trying to fund, crowdfund a deal to go and uh, fund drivers and other things. And they got a connection with Andretti Autosport. Gabby Chavez is there. So they have a very deep team there. Then you have another team, which has Jao Bob. Barbosa, who's a multi-time Daytona winner in a Ligier. Um Then you have Cameron Castles, who's run in this race before. And you have then the 54, which is a core autosport car. They're definitely the favorite, I would say, with John Bennett, um, George Kurtz. Then you have Colin Braun and Matt McMurray, who are... Um, you know, Colin Braun, Matt McMurray, they've done work in multiple uh, levels. Of course, John Bennett and Colin Braun have been a, a great combination uh, for many years. Then you have the Riley Motorsports Ranch 74 Ranch Resort team, which is Gar Robinson. And then you have Oliver Askew, who's a silver. I don't know how that's possible that Oliver Askew's a silver. <laughs> he scored a podium in an IndyCar last year, and he's a silver. Uh, okay. Um, I'll tell you the rating system. That's something that you can get on dinner with racers, but um, how Oliver Askew's a silver is beyond me. Um, okay, so that's what that is. The... Yeah. The, the, yeah, the metal system is over, yeah, on the left. I do not know what the... And that's probably because I, it's my preps, you know, I don't know what that last part is where they say it on the side with less yeah, than less 30. Yeah, less than 30. Yeah, I don't know. That's their age, but there are plenty of uh, drivers that are younger than 30 in the field. But I think there's got to be, there's different rules with the less than 30 drivers. Like they can run a certain amount of stints or they can run a certain amount of time or some there has to be something like that that i have to look up that i'll probably look up here uh here in a moment when we talk about the um gtlm category but um 
Gar Robinson, Spencer Piggott, who's a gold, uh, and he wasn't even a full-time driver last year, but Oliver Askew was, and he's a silver, so he's going to make a lot of money this year. Um, Dylan Murray, Urien Blickamolen, of course, longtime teammate of Ben Keating, stayed with Riley Motorsports, and they're going to be running a wins Motul number 91, so hearkening back to the Viper program. And so that, that'll be, will they last? How many of them will crash? The 47 Motorsports car is loaded. The 54, 74, and uh, 91. There's, there's definitely, and Performance Tech is there with Cameron Castles. They're a good team. There's a lot of good teams but I just there's I'm curious to see how that's going to go, honestly. Um, what is this? The GTLM category. I mean, you have BMW is going to only run the Enduros. Uh, you have Reese showing up limited, limited races here. Um, GT Le Mans with with the weather tech car, which is going to be full season. But, you know, you have Cooper McNeil who's a silver. Um, good, very good silver, but it'll it probably is going to be tough for them to win when you go and go against the level of the Corvette program. I mean, Corvette hasn't won this race since 2016, Josh. But uh, I would even with all the tra- driver changes and stuff that's gone on, I find it hard to think that they won't be the favorites here. Um, come this weekend and uh, Rolex 24. Yeah, I have to agree. And it seems like Corvette racing, you know, they tend to uh, win pretty often. I mean, yeah, they haven't won since that exciting finish that they had uh, coming to the line side by side in 2016. But, you know, you never can count them out of their race. I mean, in each car, I mean, Jordan Taylor's a, a pretty solid driver. Um, he's done uh, his uh, he he's been a very great driver in in the uh, uh, DPI class or in Daytona prototype class you know back when he was at Wayne Taylor racing um, Tommy Milner's been a standout driver for Corvette racing for many years Nick Tandy also a very good driver uh, uh, in that car um, so you know you can't really count that team out of the race um so I, I would expect them to, I don't know, I can't say if they would dominate the, the, uh, their class, but I think they could definitely be a contender. And um, you know, if they don't dominate, they definitely will have a lot of strategy worked out to um, be uh, as close as they can to the lead uh, coming to the end of the race um, there. But you, know, you also have the BMWs with uh, uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. Um, that's a solid team as well. Uh, John Edwards, uh, Jesse Crone, uh, Augusto Farfus, uh, Marco Whitman, and then Connor DiFilippi, uh, Philip Ang, Timo Glock, and Bruno Spengler uh, com- comprising the two cars for that team. Um, all of them, uh, you know, really, really good drivers. And, you know, I seem to think uh, John Edwards is a pretty good driver uh, for that team. Um, so I think I would expect them to be a, a contender as well. Um, 
and it, it's i mean that's pretty much all the teams there's only six entries um then there's uh greasy competition in the lone ferrari in that class um then you know we have WeatherTech Racing, the series sponsor, sponsoring the portion uh, for that team. Um, so I, I think for the most part, um, I mean they those two cars could make some noise too. But it's probably going to come down to either BMW or Corvette in GTLM. Yeah, Ferrari with Ricci, they always you know, Ricci's been around forever. Giuseppe Ricci, and they've been a fact with ferrari customer team and you have alessandro perguidi who's done gt daytona for multiple teams i think he was a teammate of cooper mcneil for a couple of years when they were running ferraris and gtd colado is a uh, world endurance championship driver for ferrari uh over uh, i forget what team it is over in the world endurance championship jewel gunyan david rigon He's another guy. I think he's also contracted to drive for Ferrari uh, in the WEC. So they're they're an interesting team. They're, uh, the endurance is never. They're usually pretty tough. Um, you know, I think the top end for the vets and also the BMWs is going to be kind of difficult for the Ferrari to deal with. But the Ferrari is efficient. Uh, and they're a good team. You're you're not really gonna you can't dismiss them. And when you look at Jimmy Bruni, Richard Richard Leitz, and Kevin Estra, uh, backing up Cooper McNeil, who's dad sponsors a series and and sponsors his car, and they're driving a freaking Porsche that's been running for however many years uh, in in this category and in the World Endurance Championship. Uh, they're they're definitely a wild card because of the silver relative to everybody else having platinums and golds and of course Corvette only running three drivers versus everybody else with four. How will that be in regards to um, the wear and tear? Um, first race without um, a lot of key players for Corvette have left. You know Doug Feehan is gone. Uh, Dan Binks, the longtime uh, lead, like the crew chief and like the the coach, head coach of sorts. Uh, he's connected to Tommy Kendall and him. Have, they did all their work together, winning in all kinds of categories. Uh, they're both gone. Uh, so there's a lot of change going on there. We will see how they do, but it is Daytona. It's a Chevy track. Uh, they do a lot of work to help Chevy and anything that's GM. So uh, we will see in what likely is the last Rolex that the Corvette team will run in the what is considered like the main like this in a GT2 spec car um, next year. It'll probably be running a GT3 spec. Um, and then this next uh, category is the one which fills the field 19 of the 50 cars uh or 49 or whatever will be the gt daytona category and there's a ton of diversity in terms of the cars you have lamborghini porsche lexus ferrari af corsa is running here in gtd but they run the the world endurance championship program over and they run in the 
GT Lamar, or what do you call GT Pro, Mercedes, AMG, Audi, Acura. Um, you have BMW, of course, with Turner Motorsports. You have Aston Martin. And um, Ben Keating's actually doing double duty. He's going to be running in the running in the Aston Martin and GTD. That's something. Um, Grasser, the Grasser racing team here, they've been here and they're running a full-time program. They're going to run full-time with one of their cars, but they're running two cars in this race. Um, you look at Bill Oberlin, Robbie Foley, Bill Oberlin, who's ageless, who's been doing this since, um, you know, since the 80s, and he's still doing it now. Um, the Aston Martin, you have Richard Westbrook who, and Charlie Eastwood, two guys that run in the World Endurance Championship with Ben Keating. Uh, that'll be a, kind of an intriguing car. Uh, you have Earl Bamba uh, running... I just, it's, I had to get a Lee Diffie in there. Um, he's running with the two ladies, Catherine Legg and Christina Nielsen in the hard point. Uh, Rob Ferriol, uh, that'll be the hard point. Uh, Portia. Kenny Habel, who's basically become a rolling chicane. Raffaele Marciello. Uh, Luca Stoltz, who's a Mercedes factory driver. Um, then you have the Plums, Owen Trinkler, who's been at it forever. That'll be kind of a field filler, but um, they're Hugh Plum, Matt Plum have been at it for many years. Uh, the Scuderia Corsa, Ferrari, number 63, will have Ed Jones, who just got a promotion. Now he's back in IndyCar. Ryan Briscoe, who's for many years been in uh, prototypes or GT Lamar. Now he's in uh, GT Daytona. Brett Curtis. So that'll be a, a good, strong uh, lineup there. Uh, Mauro Engel. That's the only person I know and out of that whole team. Russell Ward, I've heard the name. but The Magnus with Archangel. So you're combining the great PR of Magnus racing with John Potter and Andy Lally with uh, Mike Johnson and Archangel Motorsports. And they're going to be running an Acura this year. Number 44, uh, Spencer Pumpalli and Mario Farnbacher. So that'll be a good, strong team in regards to the possibilities for them to get another victory. Um, the number 42 is Don Yount. Uh, J.R. Hildebrand, Andrew Davis. So that's a good, strong uh, three of the four guys there um, in an Audi. Daniel Morad, Michael DiCasada, um, Billy Johnson, uh, who's been at this most famously and drove Fords and did a lot of work in Fords. Um, used to have a much older but smoking hot wife. Uh, Maxi Book, who's a Mercedes uh, factory guy. Uh, so they're an interesting Allegro Motorsports. They'll be a tough out. Um, you know, we go to Harder Racing, Aston Martin. They're a full-time team. Ian James and Roman DeAngelis run the full schedule. But then you have Darren Turner and Ross Gunn who are coming over from the World Endurance Championship. 
Daniel Serra uh, runs for AF Corsa over the WEC. And then there's some silvers and whatever. Misha Goikberg, Frank Pereira, who's a platinum. But uh, I still don't get how Oliver Askew is a silver. That's mind-numbing. Um, <laughs> the the Wright Motorsports team, which is kind of abusing the silver thing, because Jan Halen, even though he sucked in cart, um, is not a silver. Um but they have him to drive with Ryan Hardwick and Patrick Long, who's been at this for many years. I think the team to really look at, there's there we're coming up to him. The two, uh, Vassar Sullivan, used to be AIM Vassar Sullivan, now they're just Vassar Sullivan, uh, Lexus cars and the... A FAF Motorsports team who had to basically sit on the sidelines most of the year last year um, due to the pandemic. And then the number one, Paul Miller Racing Lamborghini, which also was basically sidelined because of the pandemic. Paul Miller um, has a lot of business over here in New Jersey, He's a lot of dealerships and stuff. And his son Bryce used to run and and for the racing and whatever different categories but now he's on the back end uh i think that's where we we have to look at i mean this cat definitely most cars out of any of the classes but i think you're when when we look at this field and i mean there's a lot, we went i went over a lot of this field but i honestly think one of these first four cars in this list should could be the victor here on Sunday for sure because of the kind of talent that they have and what they've done recently. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. Um, you know, the Vassar Sullivan, they have a, a solid program. Um, and Zach Feach is a, well, he lost his IndyCar ride. I mean, he um, did a decent job over there. So, you know, expect him uh, to be able to take care of things in GTD uh, in that car. Um, Townsend Bell, um, I don't know, he, he might be okay. Uh, he's uh, whatever. Um, then Jack Hawksworth also in as a teammate in the, the sister car, number 14, and um, as another former IndyCar driver uh, in on that team, um, he should definitely uh, be one of the – I mean, he's heading that, uh, that car being a, a gold driver. Um, um, and then I I feel like can't count out the right motorsports car. I mean, Jan Halen is um, I mean, like you said, they they are abusing it. I mean, he's uh, been an ace in uh, the Michelin Endurance Cup, um, so I expect that team to do pretty well. And I mean, even he thinks that they have a a car that can fight uh, for the best car in that class. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens uh, with that team if they can. Uh, keep up uh, throughout the 24 hours of the race. Um, I think um, there are other, you know, teams like um, throughout this field uh, that are, I'm, while not potentially race-winning cars, they they can they are, they could be uh, pretty competitive. Um, you know, like you said, like Magnus Racing. Um, you know, Andy Lally has been pretty popular guy over here in uh, the U.S. Uh, so uh, expect that team to try to make something uh, of, out of nothing with this race. Um, 
Billy Johnson in the Allegra Motorsports car. I mean, he's he's been a beast for Ford for many years, like you said. And um, surprisingly, I mean, well, there there are no more Fords in the series, but um, still, he's been an outstanding driver, outstanding talent, really. Um, and I think, think another thing that kind of caught my eye is, like you said, Ben Keating doing double duty, which I find very interesting, you know, racing for two teams uh, in two different classes. And, um, you know, it's it's basically like having uh, two workloads, I guess, and unless, you know, they work something out with the teams where he um, doesn't end up actually taking um, twice the amount of stints as the uh, rest of the field. But I, I do find that uh, very curious that, you know, you can run for two different teams and um, compete, you know, for two different classes. But, I mean, there's a, a lot of physical toll, I think, that goes into that. I mean, just being a part of the race in itself is uh, very physically demanding. But then going out and driving two separate races uh, is a, a lot of stress. And uh, I will look forward to seeing um, how, you know, how he's able to do in um, both of those cars uh, throughout the weekend um, and uh, throughout the race. But this this field is a uh, you know star studded throughout, um, and like like I said before, it matches the amount of hype that goes into the the 24 hours of Daytona. Um, it's kind of like the preview, the uh, first race, major race of the season going into um, you know the 2021 motorsports season. Get to see kind of the uh, all stars and GTD, and then. Um, they're spread out uh, throughout the rest of the field and then kind of like the the regulars the series regulars uh, sprinkled in with them um in in this race so i'm you know very excited uh to see what happens um as uh the race goes on starting on on saturday afternoon yeah it's going to be something this uh rolex to see how you know, now with the pandemic having to run this 24, I mean, I know they ran the 12-hour uh, just a couple of months ago, actually. A lot of these teams, uh, and that was coming off of running Petit Le Mans, so maybe it isn't as big of a deal. Um, being able to pass through uh, all the protocols, could that become an issue, even in the fact that they've been able to um, sort of be in a bubble of sorts coming here last week running the roar um, qual- running the roar and then running the qualifying race and all that could that play a role we will see um, in terms of the LMP3 just for clarification they the rules state that you need to have a driver that is a bronze uh bronze rated with either a silver or gold or a bronze silver that's under the age of 25 paired with a silver or gold over the age of 25 hence the um under 30 um specification um here uh, there i mean the 54 is definitely able to utilize that um riley motorsports is definitely um pushing that hard with gar robinson of course he owns a team so it's whatever uh but considering the kind of work that gar robinson's been doing for years um that's kind of stretching the silver bit uh but uh oliver askew that is hilarious um 
I, I think he's going to make more money this year than he did last year driving uh, for for the Arrow spam team because he's going to be able to get work in the World Endurance Championship. He'll be able to get work uh, here uh, in IMSA with that rating. Uh, so good on Oliver Askew somehow or another getting that rating. Um, yeah, I mean, the, this Rolex 24, it's kind of like the unofficial start of motorsport season. Yeah, we had the Chili Bowl a couple of weeks ago, but I mean, really, it's the Rolex and we will see how that goes and we will give you a review for sure um, next week uh, on the uh GSP to go and um, see how the that whole deal goes and who wins and who stands out and any other major stories since it'll be a generally a uh, regular schedule as of now. Of course, I don't know how regular that'll really be since um, you know COVID has already started to affect some of the other teams um, in general. Um, we'll go into some of the news of the day. Um, of course, Ed Jones coming back to run the 18 car in the, uh, the, what is the, what do they call that? I'm forgetting the sponsor. It's the Vassar Sullivan, um, car, the, I'm forgetting the sponsor on that car. Um, they're, they're. Sealmaster car, yeah, the Sealmaster car. Uh, after a couple of years away, uh, he ran for Dale Coyne, finished third in the Indy 500. Uh, then he went to Ed Carpenter's team, kind of didn't really do much there. Um, but he then went to sports cars, ran in sports cars last year, and now he's back with Dale Coyne. Um, and also James Hinchcliffe uh, got announced finally after months that he'll be running full-time for Andretti Autosport this year, um, basically becoming that fourth full-time car, uh, kind of filling in the spot that Marco was in. And so um, I guess I'll throw to you, Josh, uh, thoughts on Ed Jones's return expectations since we don't really know who's going to be in the 19 car rumors are that Roman Grosjean is going to run road course. So the major, basically the majority of the IndyCar season. Um, and uh, they might find somebody else for ovals. I don't know, say like Spencer Piggott, Oliver Askew, something like that. And then the, uh, there's also Pietro Fittipaldi, uh, it looks like he's going to be running a number 51 car for Rick Ware Racing. How Rick, I mean, Rick Ware, I don't know. He's got to be the best grifter in, in all of motorsports that he's the orange aid of motorsports because dude runs like shit in every series and he somehow or another has cars everywhere in the world. Um you know, uh, thoughts on uh, all that in regards to the IndyCar and how the grid's shaping up 
Yeah, I think, you know, for Rick Ware, maybe maybe he bought a lot of stock recently and got in on this uh, stock craze that come up and he's able to hire drivers like Pedro Fittipaldi. No, um, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I guess somehow he's able to hire those guys. And um, I mean, I guess good for Pedro. He's got work, but we'll see what he can do. I mean, he'll probably be the best driver he's ever had, uh, considering the drivers that have driven for Rick Ware uh, throughout the Rick Ware history of that team. Um, but for Ed Jones, uh, I think that's a, it's a good move for him. Um, I thought he did really well in his rookie season uh, back in 2019. Yeah, he's the rookie of the year. Uh, he did well uh, at uh, the Indianapolis 500 uh, a couple years ago, and um, he's, I think, an excellent driver, um, somebody that can really get the most out of his car um, as he's driven in cars that, haven't really like had the top end speed and um, just haven't been class the field like Penske or Andretti or Ganassi, um, which are, you know, obviously those are the dominant cars of the series. So I think for, for him, it, um, it's a, a chance to move on up uh, in the series and uh, potentially score some uh, podiums, maybe some top tens here and there. Um, and just, uh, Great to have him back in the series and in it with the ride. So um, excited for him in, in that news, and um, that's good for them for uh, for that team being able to replace uh, the drivers they had before. I mean, I was thinking about uh, well, he's replacing Ferrucci in that car, and I was about to say uh, Sebastian Bourdais, who also used to drive that car, but that was the previous year um, in 2019, actually. Um, so, uh, but definitely excited for him and, uh, he's a talented driver for sure. Um, also, you know, with Hinch, um, he deserved to be back in the series, uh, full time. Um, I, he hasn't really had the results like overall in his career to, um, I guess go with his, the kind of popularity that goes with his name. But at the same time, you know, he's an entertaining guy, and he's definitely shown his talents uh, throughout his, his career. He's just never been able to put together, I would say, a full season or, you know, a, a complete season, I guess, where um, you could say he's one of the, you know, top drivers in the series, no questions. Um, I think this is an opportunity for him to um, have a, a chance to score podiums and um, potentially get wins as well for him. Um, Andretti with uh, that team has uh, always been very solid. Um, obviously, they kind of were able to combine assets, so to say, with uh, the uh, former number 88 car, the remains of uh, Marco Andretti's team. So they are finally able to make a room for Hinch and actually uh, have a ride for him. He's no longer going to be a, a part-time pit reporter, which was uh, a second career for him, I guess. And uh, have part-time IndyCar now. He's just a full-time race car driver, which is what we want to see for Hinch. And um, hopefully, uh, he can start winning races again and and uh, contend for maybe maybe be a, a title contender. We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. Um, yeah, there are um, a lot of exciting moves I think uh, in this season uh, for IndyCar. And um, I mean, it's three months away, but. Um, once it it'll, it'll come around um, and and we'll 
uh, before we know it, like we'll be talking about IndyCar and previewing the series and um, certainly excited to start talking about it again when that time comes. Yeah, the IndyCar series is going to be as tough as ever. I mean, it's it was a tough uh, it's been a very tough series to to be able to win in, to compete, to when you have Scott Dixon doing what Scott Dixon does and now you have uh Joseph Newgarden who's become in that becoming that same kind of talent, you know this ability to win on all different types of racetracks and uh, just truly uh, be a a force and that battle and that rivalry, how that will go as uh, this season goes along, how, you know, Long Beach being the finale uh, this year, which will be, it'll be great to see Long Beach again, uh, which is a classic. Um, I think it's cool. And it may be a new um, way to handle uh, the uh, Long Beach Grand Prix. Um, If they were to make that the finale, it would probably make it a lot more interesting of a race because of how much more desperation there will be relative to the Long Beach Grand Prix being early in the year. And it's just basically a standalone event, which is the most uh, iconic street course race in America. Um, You know, so that, that'll be something Um, we'll, we'll see how uh, some of these other teams fill out their rosters. Uh, You know, Carlin doesn't have their deal set up yet. Uh, Looks like Jimbo Kimball might go back there. Um, You know, we have Peretta motorsports, Beth Peretta used to work for, um, for Mopar, Dodge, and Chrysler Corporation, or whatever they called it, um, SRT. Yeah, she was with SRT with Ralph Giel and that whole group when they were running the Viper program. They put the Challenger out there in Trans Am. She's now going to run an IndyCar team, finally. This was kind of rumored or was announced sort of a couple of years ago with, I think, Catherine Legg was supposed to be the driver. That didn't go anywhere. Now, Simona De Silvestro will be making her way back to the U.S. to go and run for that team in a Chevy-powered car, number 16, and they will be running at Indianapolis. So that'll be huge uh, for not only for Simona, for Peretta, Beth Peretta, for just for women, um, you know, it'll just be a huge deal to see them uh, try to run and hopefully make the Indianapolis 500. Um, another uh, piece of news that came out here um, this this uh, today, actually, was Ty Dillon, who's moved over to run the 96 uh, Gaunt Brothers uh, Toyota in the Cup Series, at least you know, for the first couple of races of the season, if he can make the Daytona 500, um, which will be very hard for him, but um, he'll be in the Daytona road course the following week. And uh, after that, they'll see where they're going to be. But then also Ty Dillon is signed on to be part of that um, number 54 JGR Xfinity uh, team, the JGR all-star car, which has Kyle Busch, 
running his five races, trying to get to 100. Um, Martin, that Truax kid from Ada, New Jersey, is going to be running one race uh, for the first time in 11 years, I think is what it is. He hasn't run an Xfinity race in, since 2010. So um, Denny Amlin will run of the Darlingtons. Uh, four foot two Ty Gibbs will will uh, start his trek up to take over either the 11 or the 18 car uh, this year in the 54, while probably dominating the Arca series. Um, hopefully uh, he puts them out of he he ends the Arca series probably you know like between him and Sam Mayer they could probably both end the Arca series and. Um, in Sam Mayer's case, he's probably going to win a bunch of truck races, too, before he goes to Xfinity the second half of the year. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of news coming out, of course, with NASCAR um, getting uh, getting close to happening. Uh, it's going to make uh, things a lot tighter. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to... I guess we can go and talk about um, talk about Ty Dillon. What do you think about him now driving a Joe Gibbs Racing um, Xfinity program, uh, driving at least four races for them here um, here in 2021? Well, I, I think it's a good opportunity for Ty Dillon and. You know, he's only running four races, Daytona, uh, Homestead. Um, he's running, uh, let's see, he's running uh, Las Vegas and Talladega also. So I think for, for Ty Dillon, this is an opportunity for him to show that uh, he's actually talented. And I think he's actually more talented than his brother, but he just hasn't quite had the opportunities. And he's been in somewhat lesser rides than uh, his brother, you know, uh, yep. Austin's been in the three car the whole time, which has been the marquee car uh, for Richard Childress. Well, uh, the 13s kind of and also ran. They they do get equipment from Childress, but um, they're not the um, top level team. Um, so I think for for Ty uh, that at Daytona and Talladega, you know those crapshoot races. Um, I mean, yeah, he can have a car that he can go win in, obviously in both of those races, but. Um, I think Homestead in Las Vegas um, will probably tell more of what kind of driver Ty Dillon actually is. Um, if he can, you know, if he can qualify top five, I guess, uh, and, you know, lead a lot of laps and finish in top five. And I can say that, you know, if you can put Ty Dillon in a, a good car that has good funding and uh, with a solid team around him, then, you know, he could be a solid driver in Xfinity or in Cup. Um, and, you know, another thing to add about his talent is, I mean, yeah, it's Indianapolis, but he did beat in, uh, Kyle Busch uh, at the uh, Xfinity uh, Indianapolis race uh, when they raced on, back on the Oval, um, like in 2014, I want to say, or 2013. So, um, you know, he's been able to beat good drivers before, and, you know, there's no reason why he can't. Um, now we're going to see him in kind of an elite ride and the all-star ride for uh, the Xfinity series with Joe, Joe Gibbs Racing. So I think it's a good opportunity for him. Um, and then also Martin Truex racing in the Xfinity series and first time in what seems like forever for him. So that's almost out of the 
out of the blue, I guess. Maybe uh, they couldn't get Denny Hamlin, who seems to be the other guy who fills in in that car to race this year. So um, it's going to be interesting uh, with uh, Martin Truex doing some Xfinity races also. Yeah, he's going to run one race. Uh, Denny's running his usual one Darlington. Uh, it's I would assume the way things are now that Ty's angled himself to run um, four races at least now. I think between him and, and Ty Gibbs, uh, I would venture to say that they're going to kind of be sharing that deal. Um, it's it's something like you look at how Daniel Emmerich's year went last year. At times, it was a nightmare, but he, he was able to get the money together and put himself in a position to take over, uh, what is it, the 18 car. So, and you know he's going to be better than freaking Riley Herbst. So, that's that you you don't know what can happen if you can go and show your your talent your ability i completely agree with you josh on the notion of ty being more talented than austin it's just people say well austin won a truck championship and he won an xfinity championship well they handed him the xfinity championship it should have been sam hornish jr they threw a random a phantom caution when sam hornish was gonna win the championship at homestead and they allowed uh, Austin to get back into that race. He didn't even win a race that year. Uh, the truck series, I can say, yeah, he probably earned it on merit. And then, you know, I think he won Rookie of the Year by default in Cup, and he's won, what, three races in the Cup series. Uh, he had to run over uh, Eric Almirola to win the 500. Um, he won the 600 on fuel mileage, but you know, fuel mileage happens. Dreambug made a name for me, basically did that for a couple of his wins and at Hendrick because he couldn't do anything else uh, for a while um, when he was on drugs. And then, uh, then he won last year at Texas uh, when nobody could pass because it was a 550 rules package and Tyler Reddick wasn't going to use up his teammate, uh, unfortunately, um, and took away a, a, a playoff spot, which would have probably guaranteed Tyler Reddick Rookie of the Year. So, uh, I mean, it, to me, it's sad because I think Ty Dillon's a better driver, too, and he's got a hotter wife, and um, he, he's, I don't think he's, a, I think he's a pretty good guy. Um, Austin's a douche and he's like five foot one and, and he has like a Napoleon complex or something going on and he has like an enormous forehead relative to the rest of his, but then I think that's just because of their dad because their dad has this like huge fucking head and there isn't a whole lot going on in there, but at least he decided to fuck Richard Childress's daughter. So, I mean, that's that's probably the smartest thing Mike Dillon ever did in his life. Um, and in turn, it's probably helped both of his sons because otherwise um, they'd probably be working at the uh, mom and pops or wherever the local uh, supermarket is over there because uh, they wouldn't have any relevance. Um, I mean, you, there's another piece of news I know that 
you know, you had those 54 looking at, at Ty Dillon. You got Garrett Smithley, who doesn't know how to use his mirrors. He's going to be running um, part-time for Rick Ware and his men, which tells you how much they, they have so many cars. And Cody Ware, of course, is going to run full-time cup this year. So that'll be great. Um, is it Kyle Weatherman driving a maggot uh, POS 47? Um, Andy Lally will be running the Hour Motorsports zero uh, three in the uh, Daytona Road Course. Jeb Burton, uh, yeah, Gray Galding uh, got announced to drive the 52 car for Jimmy Smut Means. So that'll be cool for. Uh, uh, for him, Greg Alding to come back full time, albeit it's not the best equipment, but I think unlike Cody Vanderwall, who basically hit the wall every week, um, at least uh, Greg Alding will make them better. Uh, they'll be relevant, uh, running top, probably top 25 every week uh, for what they have relative to their equipment. Um comes to colleague what is it jeb burton will have the same crew chief we've laid out the 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 calling yeah okay great um yeah yeah so they aren't changing that or kickoff is first full last our season uh, 16 calling number of course uh-huh. jason Okay, Cavs Grala. They haven't really previewed that paint scheme. They sort of like I, I think it must have been a goof. Yeah, so they're moving over some of the engineers and people off the eleven crew to go and fill out the rest of the uh, teams. There, Ryan Vargas will be running the six car full time. Landon Castle. I was going to ask you about that. Landon Castle is now back. He'll be in a full-time ride again, back with JD Motorsports. And I was thinking about this. JD Motorsports hasn't really been the same organization since when Ross Chastain was there a few years back, and they actually made a run and made the playoff with him. Uh, since then, they've kind of taken him a few steps back, but now they have four drivers, albeit Jeffrey Earnhardt uh, was had a phone out driving 85 on the highway when um you know and that's great um it makes sense he can only really drive 85 miles an hour because anytime he tries to drive over 180 miles an hour he goes and crashes uh i mean does jd motorsports i know that it's going to be very difficult to how deep this xfinity series is this year to make the playoff it's probably gonna be the most difficult playoff to make out of the three series uh trucks is deep too uh but i think xfinity has a lot of depth uh you have um of course jordan anderson's gonna randomly come over uh and run a full xfinity series season so i i i think that the xfinity series is deep but jordan anderson thought he could come over and make the playoffs so uh thoughts on some of these guys, you know, the JD Motorsports can 
can Landon Castle go and make the playoffs with them this year? Is Jordan Anderson a factor uh, to do something? You know, like you have there's there's a lot of players here to say the least. Big Machine Records will have Jade Buford. You know, there there's the uh, RSS is running a Ford. I mean, that's that's another thing. Uh, Ryan Sieg's going to be running a Ford this year. Um, they're basically going to be a third Ford team, uh, you know, running with Penske, who, of course, after Sindrick moves up to drive the 21 car uh, in 2022, they won't need an Xfinity program anymore. Um, and then you don't know how long Stuart Haas is going to be in the Xfinity series. Uh, it's probably as long as Riley Herbst wants to go and pay to crash their cars. Um, so thoughts on some of the news recently for Xfinity and um, Cop and trucks? Yeah, I think, you know, for Xfinity, yeah, I think you have to agree with you there that this uh, series is going to be the most competitive, I guess, and or at least the toughest, uh, I should probably say, instead of competitive, to um, make the playoffs. Um, you know, if Landon Castle can get back in that zero one one car and make something out of nothing, because that's basically what that car is, um, that would be entertaining to see if uh, it comes down to the last race before the playoffs and he's able to somehow squat, scratch and claw his way into the playoffs. Um, I you know, wouldn't do anything really in the playoffs, but um, certainly it would make a lot of uh, a lot of stories leading up into that if he's able to um, actually make the playoff, but um, good for Castle. You know, he's been out of the ride for a while, and you know he's basically been reduced to um, organizing iRacing events uh, for people and uh, for you know the professionals that are sim racers. So um, you know he's, he's got a full time job again for the moment. So you know hopefully he can um, perform relative to the ride and um, you know make something out of nothing there. Um, so um, you know he's an entertaining guy. on on social media as well. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of content around him and the track too. So that's a, another good thing to have him uh, back in the series. Um, Jordan Anderson. Um, so I guess they're just going to move up to Xfinity and, you know, he'll probably just crash a lot. Uh, yeah. He's not really, I don't really think that high of him. I mean, he's had some good finishes there here and there. And, you know, he's definitely, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, he's a grinder, but you know, he's, um, I don't think he's that good, and he's crashed a lot in trucks and expect the same in uh, Xfinity. So, um, you know, it's whatever for him. Um, Greg Outing and uh, Jimmy Means, uh, that's an interesting combination. Um, you know, he seemed to bounce around a, a lot. You know, he's been in the trucks. You know, he was in K&N, uh, went to Cup, and now he's doing full-time Xfinity. So that'd be an interesting combination uh, there. Um Maybe maybe he can parlay that into a better Xfinity ride uh, in the future. Uh, we'll see. Um, you know, uh, Cowling or Calling Racing deciding to uh, make some personnel changes um, and sponsorship changes. Then you know they've, I guess you know they're going to make some changes to their team to um, be more competitive. Uh, you know this season, and I think eventually, I think that's all of it's just a, a plan to get them up into the to the cup series eventually you know i think 
that's how if you're going to make it up to the cup series and you have to always keep making changes and and um um find the best combination that you need to make that push so that should be a good a good um uh change there uh i mean alex lebay going uh going back to dgm racing and they could they could go for a full schedule there um uh, so we'll see if uh, they can do anything uh, with that car. Um, you know, he's he seems like he can be like a road course ringer guy that you know can also race full time. So you know, if they're able to do something at some of these road course races this year, then potentially um, you know that could be a, a solid uh, name to look out for during the season during some of these road course races. You know, if he can. Uh, finish in top 10 and stage and lead laps or, you know, potentially win a stage that would, you know, be good for him. Um, you know, here's another thing is, uh, the stage links. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this for cup and, uh, and truck. Um, you know, the Daytona 500 going to be on, uh, stage one ending on lap 65 then stage two ending on lap 130, And then the final stage, obviously on uh, lap 200, um, then road course stages, uh, they got Daytona road course ending on lap 16, 34, and then 70. Um, I mean, I hate this stage racing and I mean, I think you do too. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts on stage links at all. I mean, it seems pretty standard now, uh, how it is. Um, I mean, I just think the road courses, they've got to get rid of them. It's, uh, just makes for a terrible product. And then the Coca-Cola 600 is somehow the most valuable race of the year, uh, which is backwards. I mean, I mean, they promote the series on the Daytona 500, and then uh, they make, a, you know, the 600 is a valuable race too, but it's not as valuable as the Daytona 500. And, uh, I mean, if anything, it should be Daytona that rewards the most points, not the 600, but I guess because it covers the most distance, they have to um, give uh, give more opportunity for points there. Uh, the 600, but um, I mean, pretty standard there for uh, uh, stage links and and everything. And I mean, if they're going to do it, you know, they should have a a caution, or or they should have the laps in between the stage cautions uh, not, not count, count. But then, but then that would also affect fuel mileage and everything. So, you know, that'd actually be extra laps in the uh, reality of the race. Um, but you know, it is what it is at this point. It's just um, you know, I, I've never liked it and will never like it, I think. Yeah, I'm, I agree on the whole, you know, stage thing, especially on the road courses. Like, they're showing pictures of Sonoma in the, in the winter time and how it looks. And they run there when it looks like a freaking desert and a shithole. Um... I mean, it's it's a it's a shame that they run, and then when they run these road courses, they you take away the most interesting part of of the um, of road course racing, or one of the most interesting parts, which is the strategy. And uh, fundamentally, I just don't get that. But you know, it's uh, they they think that stage racing is good. I don't buy that. Um, I don't believe that stage racing is necessary. Um, if you really want to um, 
it's not about marketing to the LCD fan or whatever. Like, I get that's what they're doing, but it should be more about figuring out how to provide the best racing product. And if if you can do that and you can do it functionally, the IndyCar series has no problem doing it. Virtually every other motorsport series that has laps or has whatever time element they're able to do that. They're able to provide a product that can work. Um, only NASCAR puts in freaking, you know, bullshit cautions to to manipulate the field and uh, manipulate results. And you know, I I, I think it's kind of, uh, I mean, it's artificial. But then a lot of what NASCAR does these days is artificial. Um, stage lengths of course they still haven't figured out what they're going to do for coda um and i also don't think that i mean it would be a good idea it wouldn't be such a bad uh, place for them to go and r&d uh no um stages um it would be kind of different but you know they may not be keen on that some of the teams may have a problem but i think that would be a good place because Coda is going to be a very tough track for them to do anything. Uh, it's going to be uh, a race which is going to be very processional. Um, and, you know, I'm sure they're going to have rock hard tires, so they're never going to wear. So they're literally only going to have to pit for gas and maybe put tires on once. So it'll be pretty, it'll be, it'll be a shit show. And, I love Coda too. I'm a I'm a mark for that place. I want to go there, uh, but it's going to be a really shitty race with with cop trucks, Xfinity, whatever. It doesn't matter. There, it's no matter which one of those series it is, it's not going to be a good race. And then when you consider the trucks, they're dog slow. The Xfinity series, they have cautions every three laps. You know, there's it's going to be a really boring, um, it'll be a painful, painful uh, race. No matter they have stages, don't have stages, they really shouldn't have stages fundamentally, but can't, you know, you can't fix stupid. And that's the reason why they are, um, why NASCAR is what they are. Uh, the fact that they're, uh, they keep on going with the stage thing as though it's a it's a worthwhile um, uh, deal is beyond me. Um, I'll never understand it. Uh, I don't I don't think stages are are good or add anything to the um, grand scheme of of the races. I don't think stages have made made the sport any better. I think it's just artificial uh, manipulation and adding more commercial, adding more places to put commercials because I have so many commercials. Uh, and hey, that's we're still watching. So I guess I, I, I guess at the end of the day, we're the dumb ones because even though it's fucked up and they do stupid shit, we still show up. And uh, but I don't know. Uh, I'll also mention Brett Moffitt. Uh, continues to get sponsored by uh, Brent Powell and Circle B Diecast. He'll be running 
he's running both uh, trucks and Xfinity this year. He'll be running for hour in the zero two. He'll also be running the number 45 for Nice Motorsports. Uh, so that'll be something to see. Uh, Timothy Peters returns to uh, full-time truck series driving for Rackley War Racing. Uh, number 25, a Chevrolet. So that'll be uh, something to see. Spencer Davis will be running a number 11 Toyota. Uh, you got DGR, and it's not DGR Crosley anymore. Uh, they're four team. They're basically the main four team now since, uh, what is it, Door Sports going to move back to Toyota. Um, Tanner Gray is going to continue with Shane Wilson. Uh, Mike Hillman Jr. will be with uh, with Haley the Whore. And um, Taylor Gray is going to have Chad Johnston. So um, good luck. I mean, of course, Taylor Gray's uh, already gotten in the news because he was videotaping while on track at Daytona in an ARCA car. So he's a real gem of the earth. But then when you consider... You know, the Gray family, they spend most of their time in the NHRA. I guess they think, driving straight, we could do whatever the hell we want. And when you're that rich, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I'm I, Like, I, I I want them to do it during the race. That would be cool. Like, like just, just double down. You know, you're so rich. Your grandfather's richer than anything, Johnny Gray. Just, just, just double down and do it during the race. So then that that stupid Jamie Little with her ponytail goes and yeah, I mean now we can't have somebody just go and take an air gun and take the ponytail and just like lop it off of her head. Now she's gonna be in the booth with whatever they're gonna put up there in the booth, probably be Phil Parsons corpse or whatever the hell. The 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 that arc of racing is so bad. That ra oh God. That the Ty I'll tell you, if Ty Gibbs doesn't win that championship by like a thousand points, you have to start wondering about him. I mean, I get it that because of nepotism, he's going to end up being in the 18 car or the 11 car, but fuck, that series is bad. Um, we will see. Um, go and throw in here to end the show a little bit of football. Uh, we talked about my birthday and how my liver is 80 and I'm aging myself more now. Um, I'm holding a beer. I might have to change since there are already cardboard things that show that uh, Brad Keselowski is going to be driving a Keystone light car, which tells you how bad um, beer situations in NASCAR have gone, where now we have Bush beer. Uh, on Kevin Harvick instead of Budwasher, and Brad is now going to be driving a Keystone light car. But then when you consider it's Brad, he looks like a kind of guy that would drink Keystone light because he can't really handle his alcohol. Um, I, th I mean, I, Kevin's a cake eater. Uh, he seems like the kind of, he's like a wine and cheese douche. 
Um, he doesn't seem like the beer drinking guy. And you know Tony drinks Schlitz, so it's whatever. Oh yeah, or we what, know that. <laughs> yeah, and and or whatever whatever um Leah tells him to drink, he drinks. So probably pours it in her ass, drinks it out, it's fine. So you get props, faster that way. <laughs> props props to smoke uh winning no uh, the last night of the Wild West shootout and his um number fourteen um rush truck centers forward. They're winning in a four ten sprinter against some of the kind of talent that they have over there. Um he got to ride a bull. He didn't look very comfortable riding said bull. Um but that's probably what uh, Leah says when they're fucking. Um but anyway, we'll go into the goat versus the the goat to be uh, Super Bowl um, maggot uh, sympathizer Tom Brady going to his tenth Super Bowl. Uh, he famously said this during the match when he was shitting the bed, and Charles Barkley went and was giving him crap and he's like i want sh- i how many shots do you want and and he goes and says i'm 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 focused on football chuck i'm 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 trying to win a super bowl and god dang it for as bad as he was golfing he ripped his pants did all kinds of things he kisses his kids on the lips like a fruit cake um his method of dieting or whatever the hell he's on He's a really interesting character. He's basically the Tom Cruise of football, but he's also the greatest player ever. And he has taken the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the Super Bowl. He sent A.A. Ron to the house. Um, and then A.A. Ron went and turned the, t- turned the tables and basically, um, you know, threw both the LaFleur and the organization under the bus um, got my hopes up for like a tenth of a second that he could possibly get traded to Niners, but that won't happen. Um, I couldn't believe it. I was sitting there getting loaded bowling for my bowling party. I had my family, but Tom Brady had a really amazing first half that mind-numbing play call at the end of the first half, which probably was the difference. That really was the difference. That horrible um, breakdown um, that Kevin King somehow or another didn't know how to defend when you're a top draft pick like Kevin King was at one point in his career to let Scotty Miller get a free release on a fourth down at the end of the half is pretty fucked up. Greg Williams, of course, got fired for that, but it didn't matter. Um, but then he threw three picks in the second half and they still won the game. So, I mean, it's in, but that's also because LaFleur kicked a field goal for whatever reason. Um, A.A. Ron didn't want to run uh, the ball in uh, late there on that one. I think it was on a third down. I don't get it. Um, personally, you're A.A. Ron. If they go and try to decleat him, you're going to get, you're going to get it basically on the goal line. Uh, you know, you take your risk. I mean, old school Aaron would have ran that. So I don't know. Um, I guess we'll start with that. Like the thoughts on uh, TB12 method taking uh, Bruce Arians and that stupid hat he wears to the Super Bowl. 
Um, and they're going to be at home uh, here in a few weeks. Tickets already going for eight G's for open seats amongst the 13,000 or however much that are going to be there uh, that are non-medical uh, professionals and things like that. Uh, home Super Bowl. Tom Brady's figured out something to do that nobody has ever done before in that case, too. Yeah, it's an interesting matchup with Mahomes and Brady, but um, somehow, I mean, Tom Brady in the first half, like, he had a great first half. He almost looked like the old Tom Brady from, you know, not even like five years ago um, when he was still uh, kind of getting into a second prime, I guess, with the Patriots. And um, then the second half came and uh, Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians decided to keep calling more deep shots. And that was that was why Tom Brady threw all his picks because they were calling bad plays. They were just calling deep shots and that allowed them uh, the Packers to get back into the game and I mean I know one of them Leonard Fournette actually uh, missed a block there but still it was a, a bad play call in third and short you know just I mean Tom Brady what he one of the things he does best is uh, his uh, short passing game and he's able just to convert the chains and and play the smart move that's that's Tom Brady um, but you know he's also known for just being a killer at times and I mean it was at the uh, critical point of the game where they had to uh, keep the ball and keep the clock moving and they turned it over. And so that was interesting. And that's something to look out for uh, coming up in the Super Bowl, uh, the play calls that they have for that. If they uh, have the lead late, do they keep getting aggressive or, or do they try to move the chains and uh, keep the clock rolling? Um, but you know, the Tampa Bay, even though they had all those turnovers, I mean, their defense really uh, made the difference there. Um, the defensive line, I mean, they they didn't really sack Aaron Rodgers a, a, a lot. I mean, I think they had like, what, like three or four, maybe five sacks, but they were able to move them around in the pocket and get, get pressure up front. And that's, I think that's what made the difference and definitely missed on a lot of throws um, to his receivers and, you know, they got an interception off of one of those uh, pressures, but um, you know, the they only gave up three points or whatever, six points um, off of those turnovers. So that, that's that's pretty good. Uh, you know, you can't ask for a better defense, and and uh, that's that's a elite level. I think um, they've got a lot of good defensive players, a lot of you know free agent players um, that have been around the league, have been named players. They're all trying to cash in on the Tom Brady last gasp of his career. You know, you got uh, Dominic and Sue, uh, Jason Peter, uh, Jason Pierre Paul on defensive line. Um, they they got a lot of pressure. Um, you know, then you also have guys like Levante David, uh, Devin White on the back end, or not the back end, but the linebackers uh, who are really good. Um, you know, the secondary isn't really that great, but, you know, Anton Winfield Jr. is a good talent. Uh, hopefully he's able to play in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, so the defense there is definitely, I mean, if there's defense that can stop the Chiefs, maybe it's the, the Bucks, but, you know, it's going to be a, a tough matchup there even so. Um, but you know, on offense, um, you know, obviously you got Brady and then you got their running back rotation. I mean, the, the run that Leonard Fournette had in the first quarter, they put the game 14 zero, like 
Um, that was the Leonard Fournette that we wanted to see since he got drafted in Jacksonville. Um, I mean, that was like the run of his career right there. Um, he ran into his own guys like he always does, but then he got out of that and then made a couple of spin moves, which he's known for, and got into the end zone. Um, that was definitely one of the best runs I've ever seen from him. I mean, you know, there's, that's why they call him Playoff Lenny. Um, that's the nickname they're giving him now. Uh, and it fits. You know, he had that uh, run of uh, in 2017 or 2018 playoffs where he um, had like uh, four touchdowns against or, or two touchdowns against the, the Steelers and ran all over them. And he owns the Steelers. But um, now he's got a chance to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, that that's a, a quite a, a turnaround for him. He was cut in Jacksonville at the beginning of the year, and uh, then he was kind of uh, he was expecting to be the starter. And I think a lot of people did think he could be a starter uh, for the uh, for the Bucks, but you know he kind of just fell into that rotation and never really was the number one guy. And now he's got a chance to go to the Super Bowl and potentially win a ring. And you know I'm happy for him. Um, you know, he's a, a good guy uh, when he was in Jacksonville. He's a funny guy. Um, um, you know, he's a good character. So uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully they can win. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to root for the Florida team here. I mean, being from Florida, you know, it's the home state team. Um, it's the home game, really. Um, although you do have to question, you know, it's the NFL. And they do have the thing at the end where it's this is a presentation of the NFL. And, uh, you know, the um, would you have could you have uh, written it any better that uh, one of the teams basically it's to play in their home stadium um, and they don't have to uh, really worry about travel or anything like that with uh, the virus still hanging around. Um, so that's very convenient for the Buccaneers in that respect um, that they get to be that team. But um, hopefully uh, they kind of wisen up on their play calling, uh, especially if they have a lead Um for for uh, the Super Bowl, but then on the other side, you know, Green Bay, um, you have to wonder now what they do with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, and they've either got to renegotiate with his contract and push out uh, roster bonus and and his salary to keep this run going, or they just decide to blow it up and start over and just uh, throw in Jordan Love uh, as their quarterback. Um, and if they keep Aaron Rodgers, then they wasted a first-round pick with uh, with Jordan Love there. But then also in that game, like, uh, I mean, and yeah, they got down a lot in the first quarter, uh, in the first half. And once Aaron Rodgers, once he's down, like, two and a half scores, three scores, uh, you can count him out of the game, no matter what the score is at the end of the game. And his record, and when he's down at least, like, what is it, like, 14 to 18 points, he's, like, all time, he's like what, like seven and thirty-one or something. All time, so um, you know he's he's um, always they always like to play Aaron Rodgers as being one of the greatest quarterbacks. But for all of that that they talk about him, uh, when it comes down to being a comeback quarterback, uh, he's never been able to come up with uh, the goods there. Uh, but on the other side, Tom Brady's um, that's why Tom Brady is great because he's um, the one quarterback who's been able to come down or come back from double-digit deficits and actually win games. Um, so that's the difference right there um, is that Aaron Rodgers is not Tom Brady. But uh, you know, at the end, they they did opportunity. They had opportunities though with the turnovers, and they they got close. They got within uh, three points or four points. Uh, they had the um, missed two-point conversion there in the fourth quarter. Um, or the third quarter, whenever it was. But then at the end, you know, um, they deserved to lose once they kicked that field goal. That's a coward move. 
Um, can't really say anything other than that. It it shouldn't have been uh, a field goal. They should have just went for it and and uh, tried to get better field position on offense uh if they turn it over um because if you if you kick a field goal you're basically uh extending the amount of work that you have to do to get the lead and that's you know inefficient play calling right there i mean that was you know top 10 game losing decisions of all time in my opinion and on the other side of that i mean people saying oh why didn't aaron Rodgers run well i mean aaron Rodgers hasn't really been that mobile of a quarterback in the last couple of seasons he's kind of he still runs around a lot but he's starting to see that you know he scrambles he's lost a little bit of a step there so um i mean i can see why he didn't decide to tuck it and run but then again maybe he was close enough where he could have done that anyways but you know in the end um they lose and uh, now they have to decide what their future is and if uh, they decide to trade Aaron Rodgers. And um, uh, it'll be monumental if they trade Aaron Rodgers. Um, I mean, they'll obviously they'll blow it up. I mean, they're going to lose a lot of free agents anyways. But, I mean, for Rodgers, um, you know, he could he could have like kind of like a, a last gasp kind of career like what Peyton Manning had in Denver, what Tom Brady currently is in, in uh, Tampa Bay. So maybe he can – finally actually win a, a, another title um, as a quarterback uh, in this league. That's an intriguing part of this whole offseason with all these quarterbacks. I mean, Deshaun Watson uh, unofficially isn't saying anything about a trade, but basically is um, angling with probably Kevin Durant to try to go and do something in the city uh, trying to angle other things, trying to go and send some smoke signals to maybe get some uh, attention off of some other places that he may want to go. Uh, he said the Jets in Miami, so that's something. Uh, you know, Aaron probably going to be back in Green Bay, but on the off chance that he isn't, um, that, that would be the biggest haul uh, since probably the Herschel Walker trade. Um, Matthew Stafford's not going to be around to watch uh, Dan Campbell's team eat people's kneecaps. Um, hopefully he gets traded to San Francisco personally um, for people who want to debate that he's not an upgrade over Jimmy G. Um, there's I just watched one video. There's a video of him when he had his in his rookie and his it was a play it was in the red zone and his he got absolutely decleated and his left shoulder was dislocated cleveland for some reason because of the cleveland browns called a timeout um on uh on on the and they didn't get it on the third down they called a timeout and then that timeout allowed him to get the shoulder, whatever, I guess, put back in or whatever it is. He goes out on fourth down and throws a touchdown. And that was the last play he had that year. And that was as a rookie. Um, he's taken the Detroit Lions, which are one of the worst franchises in all sports, to the uh, playoffs a few times. Yeah, has he been like an elite? Has he been able to get him over the edge? No. Um, when you consider some of the coaches he's had, 
it's lucky that he's been able to do anything. Um, his ability in a lot of, I mean, the point is him and Clayton Kershaw are bosom buddies. They're both extremely talented individuals. Neither of them have been great in big spots. Yes, the L.A. Dodgers just won the World Series last year, but it wasn't because all because of freaking Clayton Kershaw. You look at that freaking lineup. I, I think I could manage the L.A. Dodgers with that freaking lineup, and it wouldn't matter what the hell Clayton Kershaw did. They could have won the World Series. Um, he's always been a choker. Um, Stafford plays for Detroit. They've never really put a team around him. You put him in a situation like San Fran or Indianapolis, uh, that could be really crazy um, going into that kind of like Tom Brady realm of or Peyton Manning where you get a second shot somewhere else and go and get that Super Bowl. Um, Carson Wentz, there's rumors about him possibly going to Indy. They're trying to bring people over. Sirian, he was the former um, offensive coordinator there. Then you're bringing somebody like – doesn't matter. The Philadelphia Eagles situation is a cluster. Whoever's going to take the Houston job must really hate themselves. Um, they're probably going to hire an African-American coach, too, which is just it's offensive. Um, since Eric B. Enemy probably should have gotten a job. Uh, Todd Bowles should have gotten a call. Anthony Lynn did not do much for himself this year, but... Um, he got the offensive coordinator job in Detroit. So um, there's that's a fundamental thing. That's something we're going to talk about, how the lack of diversity in terms of hires in head coaching jobs here in the major sports or manager jobs, and then also GM positions as well. It's atrocious. Uh, but then when you consider most of the owners are rich, conservative, white, um, inbreds who probably thought the insurrection was great. Um, that's probably why we don't have African Americans in the head coaching ranks, even if they've been qualified or shown that they're qualified. Um, I mean, uh, speaking of that, Eric enemy that offense, they were down uh, 10 points against Buffalo, Josh Allen, that whole thing. That was the only rooting interest I still had left in this deal. Uh, Buffalo was showing up early, but then, of course, Patrick Mahomes, even with turf toe, I'm not sure he really truly cleared concussion protocol. They'd let him go out there and do whatever the hell he wants because he's Patrick Mahomes. Um, Travis Kelsey, who's a receiving, who's basically a wide receiver, um, who has the body build of a linebacker who plays tight end, um, setting records, him and Tyree Kill who beats women, but has gotten away with it. Uh, there's some Seattle Seahawks guy that beat the crap out of his girlfriend, and he's probably going to get off, uh, which tells you how great domestic, how they handle domestic violence in the NFL. They'll cancel Colin Kaepernick, but guys can beat the crap out of they're girlfriends, and that's all right, um, depending on who you are and where you play. Um, but Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City, another Super Bowl. Um, if uh, Big Red 
Andy Ryad can get this, maybe calls it quits. It's it sounds like there's rumors that either of them, whichever one wins, could possibly call it quits. I don't think Andy Ryad is because there's no way he's gonna quit while Patrick Holmes is in his prime. Um and he's like eight hundred pounds. The minute he quits, he's probably gonna drop dead. Um Bruce Arians, I think I mean for both of them it would be great to walk off that way. But I don't think either of them can because they can see what like the Bill Walters of the world did and some of the other coaches who retired and then they're like, oh, I'm going to have to come back. Um, Dick Vermeil did that. Um, you know, Parcells multiple times. I mean, so. But one thing that's good about this, like we talk about lack of diversity is, you know, be enemy as an offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich, as you mentioned, Josh, Offensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator um, for Tampa. You have a woman coach there in Tampa as well. So um, Kansas City making it back um, after they took my soul last February uh, in the last seven minutes of that game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes being doing Patrick Mahomes things. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. Uh, that defense being able to stop the Buffalo offense after an early run there. Um, Buffalo is a year away probably, but it's going to be hard for them to get past this Kansas City Chiefs team as currently constituted. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think, you know, for Buffalo, I think the biggest problem that they have on offense is they, they just didn't have much of a running game. Uh, they couldn't really generate anything on the ground. And I think that's kind of what hurt them there. And for the, the chiefs, you know, they are just able, they're able to run in pass. Uh, they had Clyde Edwards Hilaire there. Uh, they had, uh, Williams, um, you know, they've had just a lot of solid running back rotation on, on the offensive side. And then, you know, the, they have Tyree kill, uh, stretching the field. They've got Travis Kelsey down the seam in the middle. And then, um, you know, uh, what's his face? Uh, the, um, all the receivers, I mean, they can all stretch the field really for, for the, uh, chiefs, um, uh, with Thompson or I forget his name, the, um, one of the, one of the receivers, uh, that just, uh, came on. Thompson. Yeah. Deontay Thompson. He's on there. Uh, no, McCauley Hardman. Yeah. He's, pr- he's pretty good as well. And he's fast. Um, and then of course, you know, Patrick Mahomes has got the arm to stretch the field and, and everything. And you know, he's got a, a quick release also, and he's able to scramble and run the ball if he needs to. So th- it, it's going to be a tough matchup on defense for the Bucks. Um, I mean, they, they've got to be able to just pressure uh, Patrick Mahomes up front and and make him uncomfortable in the pocket. So if they if they can do that, then uh, th- then they'll have a chance. And then on defense for the Chiefs, you know they've got uh, Chris Jones, who's a all world defensive tackle. Uh, they've got uh, Tyron Matthew, uh, who's you know he was also a former student of uh bruce arians in arizona for many years and you know he's he's a really good strong safety and he played free safety also um you know so they've got and and frank clark also on on uh oh no he plays for the 49ers now but um they they've got a a lot of that's that's d ford and he never plays frank clark just talks lots of shit and he's a 
I want somebody to decleat that MF or but Yeah. Yeah, but I think uh They've they've got a solid defense. I mean, in the, in the regular season, they weren't as good on defense, but then uh, the playoffs, they turned it around, and they've become a really good pass defense. So it's going to be interesting, um, the matchup there. Um, you know, for the Bills, um, I, the question's got to be is uh, if Josh Allen can be more consistent because uh, we saw a lot of the old Josh Allen on Sunday. Uh, he was just making, like, he had, like, 10 throws that were, like, oh, like, this is the the old Josh Allen from 2018 and 2019 uh, that didn't really play all that well uh, at times. And now this this season, uh, he played extremely well for, I'd say, for the first half of the season. And the second half, he was kind of uneven. But then uh, in the playoffs, he was pretty good. But, you know, he just, he just uh, had a lot of throws where it was like, what are you doing? And he's got to cut those out to really be in the next level of quarterbacking on the in the NFL. So, you know, if they if they can uh get a good running game and Allen can be more consistent then yeah, they could definitely be a year-to-year threat in the AFC East and the uh AFC Championship game uh potentially. So, I mean, the future's bright for the Bills or for the Bills uh so we'll see, but the Super Bowl it's going to be an interesting matchup if they can slow down Patrick Mahomes, if Tom Brady and, and the Bucks offense can keep up with uh the Chiefs there. And and everything. I mean, I'm not ready to pick a winner, but um, it's definitely going to be a tight matchup, a close scoring game, probably. Yeah, my hope is it isn't similar to that Patriots Rams game, which was a complete shit show and was a joke. I hope it's actually a decent game. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be like Patriots Eagles a few years ago, which was unbelievable, and I got to actually be there for that. I mean, I but it. It would be something to see either way. I mean, you're talking about the best quarterback ever, um, even though he's a weirdo and probably a douche. And then the the logo, the current logo, who has a gay haircut and a Kermit the Frog hair, um, a voice, and you know they overpromote everything with him and. His number one wide receiver beats women, and the defensive one defensive end is a dick. Um, you know, like there are some questionable characters there, but Andy Ryad, for everything he's gone through, I think it's basically why um, it's worked out the way it has for him uh, to be in this spot to have the quarterback that he wished he had in Philadelphia, because he'd have probably been still winning in Philly if that had been the case. But instead, he got to Kansas City, and Kansas City gets a lot more help from the league because of their longevity. Um, It'll definitely be an interesting game. We'll talk about it more in detail next week as we get closer to Super Bowl 55. Uh, And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll be on... um, Next week with uh, Jeff Brown, who writes, uh, who's a journalist. He does stuff for covering races out in New Hampshire, uh, Motor Speedway, for different series. He's calls, he does modified stuff, and um, uh, he's a Bush North historian. He's also a sim racer, too. So um, you and uh, Josh and uh, 
Jeff can definitely talk about that. We can bring that up and we'll we'll have a little bench racing session like we had uh we've had in recent weeks with Phil Spain and others, even uh uh the great Joey Barnes who was on last week. Uh but uh before we go tonight, uh give you the floor, Josh. Uh anything going on on the sim side and where can we find you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash jphuffine, at jphuffine, uh, twitch.tv slash usailor2. Um, that's where we'll have the iRacing stuff and any other games I decide to stream. Um, you know, the racing, uh, I actually didn't stream that much uh, on on there, I, but I did I did have a couple of wins uh, over the weekend. Um, it wasn't in the, like, uh, the cup series or the any cars or anything like that but um some of the lower level ones uh, uh had a couple wins there um they had a, a multi-class sports car race racing on the homestead oval and i was able to win two races there um and was able to one like uh there's a, a wreck among the leaders and i was able to dodge that and make it through and and win and there was another one where i i was able to uh chase down the leader from two seconds and and we're we're in ford mustangs and we're almost flat throughout the way and i was just able to get a good handle on there and and um just slowly take chase him down and get to his bumper and then we got into lap traffic and and uh he he got stuck behind lap traffic and i just kind of gunned it around the lap uh lap cars the the mazda miatas uh and we're in ford mustangs so like there was yeah yeah it was a lot of a lot of challenge but uh it was that was a good one and then the other night uh the same series the same cars i went to uh Daytona for this week uh, on the the old on iRacing they have the old Daytona before the repave in 2011 and uh, did did some racing on the road course there and picked up a win um, and you know was able to basically able to uh, outbreak the leader and you know keep him from uh, trying to dive bomb me into the corners you know protecting the inside and then eventually I think he just missed a shift and blew his motor or something uh, with a couple laps to go but uh, you know I was able to pick up a good wins try to you know improve the safety rating try to move up in class class uh, D on the roadside to class C so I can start participating in some of the uh, more open series like the IndyCar road series the the new iRacing IR1 which is basically a fantasy car to kind of represent what they think a Formula 1 car should be um mm-hmm. um some other series on that side uh and everything and you know they had the iRacing 24 hours of Daytona and I don't yeah. know what the participation level was but you know um definitely got to you know get up the i rating safety rating for that so you could you know compete and and collaborate with other people on there um, you know, on the oval side, um, just got to stay out of wrecks and try to get into class A and get in, uh, you know, have that, that license up there and, um, be able to race against respectable opponents. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, it was, a it was actually pretty good, uh, on the sim racing side. Uh, you know, there've been some races where I've gotten wrecks pretty early, but then, you know, lately I've been able to kind of keep it clean and, and, uh, get, uh, better finishes and, and stay out of trouble. Good deal, good deal, and hopefully I'll be able to join you here soon enough on that, and uh, we'll definitely discuss offline 
for the next stage in that situation. Um, for me, uh, you know, new year, another year around the sun and being able to do this deal. Uh, we had a great show uh, with Joey Barnes and hopefully we'll have many other great guests here. Uh, we have Jeff Brown next week and then we're going to get into racing full force of NASCAR. Um, Josh being my uh, my sidekick and uh, bringing the knowledge on the technical and the sim side has been great. And um, I'm hoping to be able to get some knowledge and learn on both of those uh, more as we uh, go on this year. Um, grateful to be doing this show. Um, we're on uh, we're on uh, my uh, Twitter's at GripstripPod, my Twitter at Philip G Matthew, um, uh, philipgmatthew.com, which is WordPress, which you can you can find the show on there. You can find us on Podbean, um, yeah. Apple Podcasts. Um, anywhere where Amazon Music, you can find anywhere where you can find podcasts. Basically, where they're we're on Spotify. Um, you know, we'll talk about uh, the Rolex, talk about the Super Bowl, talk bench race about uh, uh, moments in history and Northeast racing and whatever else comes to mind here next week on the GSP as we are getting closer to full-on racing again and hopefully with um, some of the other things that are going on, um, you know, for the health of our nation that we'll be able to uh, once again fully attend races and um, be able to attend them and be as one even if we're not as one in other areas. So. Um, Thanks to you, Josh, as always, for uh, being great sidekick and doing your thing and bringing the knowledge. And uh, we will be back next week with uh, episode 44 of the GSP. Uh, stay safe, uh, wear masks, social distance, um, take care of one another. And God bless.